Okay, let's go ahead and get started this morning. I know there are a couple more that are going to come in, but uh, let's go ahead and pray and ask God for his help this morning. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your word. Father, thank you that you are so gracious and kind to us to reveal yourself to us through your word. Father, even this morning, I was reminded of your mercy, your kindness, your holiness, your justice. Father, we can know you because you have revealed yourself to us. And Father, we can know you because in your mercy, you sent your son Jesus to die in our place and uh, to give us new hearts, to restore, to give us a relationship with you. And Father, with those new hearts, you also have given us the capability to love you, to serve you. And so, Father, I, I pray this morning that you would help us as we continue to look at 1 Thessalonians 1, that you would... Um, open our eyes, our hearts, clear our minds from distractions so we can focus in on what you want us to learn about ministry in our own hearts, in our homes, and then with one another. And so we ask for your help, and Father, thank you that uh, you are so gracious to give us help in understanding as we have our Bibles open before us. Father, we love you, we long to know you more, And so I pray that this morning you would do that in our hearts. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, turn over your notebooks and let's go ahead and look at um, our wellspring purpose and also the disciplines. Our purpose is to equip and to encourage the women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd their hearts toward Jesus Christ with the word of God, so that they live out the gospel, thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. Have you noticed how profoundly simple that purpose is? Shepherd our hearts to Jesus, live out the gospel, and the church is strengthened. We saw how powerful that truth was a couple weeks ago in our lesson in Titus 2. I've personally been so impacted as that's kind of been my chapter I keep coming back to and that book that I study over and over again because I love how it shows us that connection. The church is strengthened by faithfulness on a very basic level. And I am so encouraged that so many of you are taking our wellspring purpose seriously. Discipline number one is becoming a pattern in your life. And that pattern is growing into a desire, and that desire is growing into a hunger and a love for prayerfully shepherding your hearts toward toward God, through his word, and in particular, the gospel. But when I realize how profoundly simple our wellspring purpose is, again, shepherd our hearts, 
live out the gospel, and the church is strengthened. It makes me wonder why we so easily struggle with it. It's so straightforward, isn't it? So why do we struggle? I want to suggest to you this morning that, at least in part, our struggles with fulfilling the purpose of Wellspring in our own lives may boil down to unbelief. Now, I think we all believe that we will be more fruitful when we do shepherd our hearts well. But what we may not believe is that the church is weakened by poor shepherding of our hearts. We may not believe that the strength of the church really does depend on us. Depends on you. Depends on me. It may be easy for us to think that it's okay to just let a day slip slip away without being in the Word or to read simply for the purpose of being able to check it off our to-do list for the day or it's okay to just allow our hearts to wander while we're reading or read and engage with the Lord and then close our Bibles and forget what we read for the rest of the day. Or to think it's okay to just come either here on Wednesdays, on Sundays, and then just kind of fade into the background when it comes to being involved in one another's lives. To be fearful of getting too close to anyone because we don't want them to see our own struggles. Or to think, we don't have to participate in a small group. It's okay to just sit back <clears throat> excuse me, and let everyone else speak. How can that really hurt anybody? But that is exactly what will weaken the body of Christ. Because if we think that way, what is it saying? It's saying that the gospel work of Jesus Christ in my life isn't big enough or powerful enough or valuable enough to impact anyone else. Ladies, be encouraged. This very Jesus whom we want to display, the gospel that we want to live out, is also the cure for our unbelief. This week in your homework, you were again asked to write out the gospel. I hope that was a great exercise as you worked on that, that it was a sweet time A steady diet of the gospel is the only thing that transforms our unbelief. It tears down our false confidence in ourselves and our lack of confidence in Christ's work. It instills in us a delight for our Savior and a desire to display him in such a way that he builds up his body, the church, through us. So discipline number two, ministering to those in our households, is only possible when we do shepherd our own hearts. And when we do, when we do that well, we can't help but better love and serve 
and see God's grace in our homes. And today, as we focus specifically on discipline number three, our ministry, it is again absolutely vital that we keep the gospel at the very center of our own hearts. If we don't, we will either fall into a false sense of confidence or we will be paralyzed by our own inadequacy. This is a high call. There is no doubt about it. But we can embrace that call. In order for this teaching to produce fruit in our lives, we need to place our confidence in the power of the gospel to produce that fruit in our ministry. So I think a good place to start this morning is to ask ourselves the question, what is ministry? Think of it this way. Is there any area in our lives that is not ministry in which we don't need to be concerned with our hearts and our gospel influence? Does it help when we think about it that way? Ministry means being intentional about living out the gospel in everything, every minute of our day, in every sphere of our lives. So that may involve a particular ministry role God gives us through the church or another ministry. It may include a particular person who really needs us to invest in them with the love of Christ, and his gospel. Think about your small groups, the relationships there, those you work with. What is ministry? If we are a follower of Christ, our whole life is ministry. So let's keep that in mind this morning as we continue to look at discipline number three. We're in 1 Thessalonians 1, so go ahead and turn there. And I'd like to again read the entire chapter. I think it's helpful. And then we'll review what we covered last week as we looked at the first three of five ministry statements to help us better understand ministry. And then we'll go ahead and look at the other two. So three first Thessalonians one. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. 
For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So last week we saw that ministry has only one message, the gospel. We saw how broadly, as we looked up different passages, Paul uses the term gospel. We preach the gospel to unbelievers with the hope that they will believe, and we preach the gospel to those who are already in the faith. Paul's desire was for Christians to be strengthened and established with the gospel. We saw that ministry is all about the gospel. It's where theology and doctrine are rooted. Remember, we saw that they are inseparable. And then number two, we saw that ministry requires an uncommon messenger. As important as the gospel message is, we must also be concerned about the carrier of the message. What kind of messengers... what, excuse me, what kind of messengers we are as we bring the gospel to others. We saw that Paul brought the gospel to them with power, with the Holy Spirit, with full conviction, and yet with gentleness as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her children. And then number three, we saw that ministry involves imitation. Paul's pattern of life was so in alignment with Christ's pattern of life that he could say, if you imitate me, you will imitate Christ. Wow, what a statement. But ladies, that is what we must strive to be. Our prayer should be, Lord, make me an imitatable woman. And what in our lives will be worth imitating? His joy in us. His joy in our lives regardless of our circumstances, even in much tribulation. So now let's continue with, number, with uh, point number four on our outline. Ministry must produce not only exemplary lives, but effective lives. Let's go ahead and look at verses 6 and 7 of 1 Thessalonians. He said, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. The life that is imitatable is also an effective life. 
The Thessalonians became imitators for a reason, for a purpose. The so that at the beginning of verse 7 shows us that reason. You became imitators of us so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. In verses 6 and 7, there is a chain reaction that is taking place in gospel ministry. And that chain reaction is one person imitating another. And then someone else imitates them. Christ is imitated by Paul and the men ministering with him. And then they become men that the Thessalonians imitate. And now the Thessalonians are examples to those all over Macedonia and Achaia. That's the chain reaction. Christ to Paul, Paul to the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians to anyone else in the region who hears about their faith. See, this is how we need to be thinking. This is what we need to set our sights on in gospel ministry. If we only aim to imitate Christ ourselves, you know what? We're aiming too low. Now we can't miss that. Obviously we need that first. But if we are thinking for just ourselves, I just want to be like Christ. That's good, but we need to think beyond that. We want to imitate Christ so that what? So that others who are in our lives, by God's grace, can then see us as an example to follow. And if we're aiming only for that, you know what? We're still not thinking big enough. Because what do we want for the one who's imitating us? To become what? To become an example for someone else to imitate. We must aim for imitating Christ as an example for others. And then we must aim to equip them to become examples others to follow. Paul then offers an explanation in verse 8 of this imitation chain reaction that has taken place. It's an explanation of what we mean by effective lives. Look at at verse number 8. He said, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. That's how the Thessalonians were an example. Not only in Macedonia, in Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth. The word of the Lord has gone forth everywhere from them. When it says that the word sounded forth from them, that word sounded forth is like an intense trumpet blast. It was a distinct sounding forth, like the call of an army to attention or to fight. It was a loud, unmistakable proclamation 
of the word of the Lord. And notice how far that trumpet biblical blast went. Not only to Macedonia and Achaia, but Paul says in every place your faith has gone forth. They set a very solid example, a very effective sounding forth of the word of the Lord. And all of this happened, remember, in such a short period of time. What effective lives these imitators of Christ were living. And the key statement that shows us how effective these Thessalonians were in imitating Christ and sounding forth the word of the Lord is at the end of verse 8. Look there. He starts out, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth. And listen to this. So that we have no need to say anything. Okay, who's saying this? You can say it. Who's saying this? Paul, the great preacher Paul, doesn't need to say anything more. The Thessalonians were so effective in their ministry of proclaiming God's word that Paul didn't need to say anything. God's word and their faith in Christ got sounded forth so loudly, they were so thorough in speaking the word of the Lord and displaying the gospel that Paul really had nothing else to say at that point. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the Apostle Paul being reduced to silence. The Thessalonians had become a very effective example, so effective that Paul didn't have anything else to say because this young church that Paul spent maybe three months with was proclaiming the word of the Lord so effectively. Think about that. This should help us to see how we should be praying. We need to pray that the next generation, the one that so many of you are laboring with in ministry now, that they would become so effective in gospel ministry that there would be nothing left for us to say. That they would go so much further in their proclamation and in their example that we'd have nothing to add. That would be effective ministry. So let's pray for our children, for those that we're discipling, for those that are following us, and ask God to raise them up so that they will speak even more broadly than we do. So, we said that living a life of ministry means the gospel is our message. It is so much a part of who we are that we're always looking to share it 
in any opportunity to those that are not saved and to those who are in the faith. But equal to that, it means being an uncommon messenger with that gospel, displaying God's power and Holy Spirit and conviction through gentleness, never distracting from the message, but accentuating the message by the manner in which we live. And it means being an example to others, living lives of repentance and having joy in the midst of our trials. And then we need to have a we need to desire that people actually imitate our example. We want to be so effective that ministry is multiplied. Ministry continues on through others. We need to pray that God would raise up others who will speak more broadly than we do. This is challenging. To us, isn't it? It causes us to aim high. In fact, I think it would be easy for us to be tempted to think that kind of ministry, that's too high. But we know it's not. So let's be careful. Let's not allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by this challenge. Instead, let's look at this challenge something to pray for, to hope for, to aim for by God's grace. This is what the gospel has the power to do. So let's pray for God to use us in this way, that the complete gospel would be proclaimed. The complete gospel means we have to know it that it would be proclaimed and lived out in our lives with a life that is imitatable for the people around us so that others would be imitators of us as we imitate Christ. And then let's pray that they would become examples for others to follow. Are you beginning to see that gospel chain reaction? This is a great prayer. This is a prayer of faith. And this is the kind of praying and thinking and ministry we must aim for, just as Paul did. So now, let's look at point number five, the last one on our outline. Ministry labors for nothing less than repentance. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. In verse 9, Paul is explaining verse 8. In verse 8, he ended with, We have no need to say anything. Now, why is that? Verse 9 tells us, For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. 
the Macedonians and the Achaeans and all the others were reporting two things. First of all, they were reporting about Paul and his ministry team and the reception that they had with the Thessalonians. So what kind of a reception did Paul and his ministry team have? The word reception is the word for an entrance. Paul had a wide open entrance, a welcome path into their lives. That's the report that was going out. Paul's ministry was well received. Paul here is emphasizing again how important the messenger is as the message goes forth. His manner among them the kind of man he proved to be among them. His behavior among them was never a hindrance to the gospel. Rather, we get the idea that when they saw saw him, when they saw Paul, they were thinking, come closer, say more, we want to hear more from you. They had never met anyone like that. So what was so different about Paul? Remember we talked about that in point number two on our outline. Paul, as he brought the message, brought it with power and with the spirit and with full conviction and displaying how the gospel had transformed him with gentleness and joy in tribulation. They had never seen anything like him. That's huge. That is a powerful component of gospel ministry. And that helps complement something else. That was the first thing. Okay, there were two things going on that were being reported. The first was they were reporting about Paul and his ministry team and the reception that they had with the Thessalonians. But then second, they were reporting about how the Thessalonians turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. They turned to God from idols. Okay, what is that called when someone turns? Repentance. They are reporting about how they repented. The point of the report is not just how well Paul was received, but also that the Thessalonians repented. The whole goal of being received was so that they would repent and turn to the Lord. Most of the time, I think we focus on the first part without too much trouble, right? We want to be liked, to be received, to be welcomed. We like that kind of report circulating about us. But the Macedonians and the Achaeans and the others couldn't only think of that aspect of gospel ministry. They simultaneously thought of repentance. Now, for those of us who are parents, we need to take these truths about gospel ministry and we need to push them into discipline too. 
into our homes. We need to ask ourselves, how are we doing with our children? As we are bringing the content of the gospel to them, do we want them to like us or do we want them to change? And the answer should be yes. I think it's easy for us to want to be their friend and spare discipline or to discipline at the expense of the relationships. But we need both. We should all want to be mothers who are well received by our children. But we must want that for the right goal so that it so that it produces the fruit of repentance in their lives. We want our children to like us and we may have to say some hard things to them with the hope that they will repent. See, these two things are not at odds. They weren't for Paul. He was well received and he labored for nothing less than repentance. And they did repent. Now, what did that look like? What did turning to God from idols look like? What characterized their repentance? Look again at verses 9 and 10. How you turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. Point number five is that ministry labors for nothing less than repentance. That means we labor for transformed lives. We labor to see people become servants of the Lord and to long for Jesus to come. If we are only likable in gospel ministry, but people don't actually change, that should burden our hearts. That should be a very unsatisfying ministry. We can't be satisfied with just being received, just being welcomed into people's lives. We must persevere for the hope of repentance for transformed lives. In our friendships, in our parenting, in our small groups, in our workplace, with our neighbors, we must always, in those relationships, aim for repentance. And remember, this is all done gently. Like a nursing mother, we can't be harsh or severe. I want you to turn to Second Timothy, and we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 25 and 26, where we're going to see Paul emphasize this again. About halfway through verse 25, we read, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses, 
and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That's what we want, right? We want people to repent. Now, what does God want to precede that? What would God say he wants to display in the process of drawing someone to repentance? What would we think? We would think, and rightly so, the gospel, right? We've got to have the right message. And that is absolutely true. But Paul is emphasizing something else here. What does he lay out before that repentance? Look at verse 24. He says, The Lord's bondservant, that means the slave of Christ, must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance. Do you see that? God invests in his slaves qualities that reflect the very same character he has in bringing us to repentance. Romans 2.4 says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And it is the responsibility and the privilege under grace for us to be that kind of messenger, to be that kind of slave of Christ in our gospel ministry where we ourselves are not an obstacle to the gospel, to repentance. We cannot be merely content with content. Yes, we are to be concerned about content. But we need to go beyond that. What kind of women do we want to prove to be among people? We need to be this kind of messenger. The kind of messenger that we saw last week and that we saw this morning in 1 Thessalonians. That is what God loves to use in bringing people to repentance. That's what's being said here. That's the report that went out about Paul and his ministry partners. There's a great compliment to what Paul teaches here in so many places in regards to right content. We want the right gospel content. We want the right message. If we give another message, repentance won't come. We want to make sure that we rehearse the facts of the atoning work of Christ on the cross and repentance toward him and faith in him and everything he did. But what this is drawing our attention to is that we have got to be a certain kind of woman in the gospel message delivery. We need to be gentle, able to teach. We need to be patient when wronged. We can't be quarrelsome. The focus in ministry, in our homes, we think about those qualities in our homes. 
in every relationship is not only on what we say, but every bit as much on the kind of women we must be. And if we're going to be that kind of women, what do we come back to? We come back to discipline one. We shepherd our hearts. We must. We shepherd our hearts because we are concerned to step into the lives of our families and our roommates. We're concerned that our homes are places where the gospel is what shapes our care and our input into others' lives. When we step into others' lives in ministry, we want the right message and we're concerned about being the right kind of women. This is what we're aiming for, ladies, as we meet together at Wellspring for Wellspring each week. It's where we go over our purpose and the discipline. And when wellspring is over and we move on, we never graduate from this. And we never move on from shepherding our hearts. And we never stop ministering in God's way, this way, with the gospel. Let's pray. Father, again, we just want to acknowledge how kind you are that you would give us your word, that you would give us examples of men like the Apostle Paul, that you give us your word to help us understand the message. Yes, Father, we are so thankful that you have revealed the gospel to us. That we know, Father, that you sent your Son to die in our place. Jesus, that you were willing to take on the wrath that should have been poured on us. Not a drop left that you have given us new life that we can now live lives that honor you Father we love your gospel we love what it has done in our own lives and Father we long to see that in other people's lives we want to see repentance in those who don't know you. And we want to bring that gospel to other believers, to encourage them, to strengthen them in their faith, to establish them in their faith. But at the same time, Father, thank you that you make it so clear to us that yes, it is about your gospel. Ministry is all about your gospel. But it is also about us becoming uncommon messengers of your gospel. 
Father, how kind of you to work in our lives in such a way that we could actually imitate you. And even more, that others would imitate us by your grace and that others would imitate them. Father, thank you that you give us the privilege to be involved in ministry. In our homes, think of all of these young moms. Father, the ministry that they have with the gospel in their homes. No matter what season we're in, whether it's young children, our parents, our friends, our neighbors. Father, I pray that we, as we share the gospel, as we give others the hope of the gospel, that we would labor for nothing less than repentance. And Father, that as we do that, we would do it as the kind of women you want us to be, gentle. And we know that that can only be as we submit our lives to you, as we shepherd our hearts to you through your word, and in particular the gospel. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to to be used by you. And I pray that we would be effective for your honor, for your glory, because we love you. In Jesus' name.